most people don't know there's leprosy. They think it's an ancient disease that's stuck on the pages of the Bible. But the reality is, is that hundreds of thousands of people around the world get leprosy every year. Millions of people around the world are disabled some way for the rest of their lives because of this disease. In the community, there is a not good perception about leprosy. They are treated as a, not as animal, less than animal. They're dealing with stigma. They're dealing with being ostracized. They're marginalized. I have struggled my whole life. Everyone hates me and discriminates against me. They won't let me touch anything. I can't use the water pump. I can't touch the food utensils. And I am living in this cave beside the animals. It is a very bad situation for me, but I don't have any other options. I am very depressed and I don't want to live. If I could die, that would be the best thing for me. They have no self-esteem, no faith to live. No one will think about marrying them. People with businesses no longer have clients. People that grow crops, no one wants to buy their goods. They're pulled away from everything that makes them human and dignified. In many cases, the health workers are unable um, to be able to help them. If we don't help them, no one else would help them. I see people coming in here every day with ulcers on their feet. And it's preventable. All this is preventable. We in, in American Leprosy Missions are committed not only to curing leprosy, but also to caring for people with leprosy and also to ultimately end leprosy. We are looking at a holistic approach to touch their lives in an emotional way, in a spiritual way, physically, in terms of their community. Every day we get to see people who have the disease receive the treatment they needed to have a full cure. If we can catch leprosy earlier, it's really important because it prevents people from, from developing disabilities. So in Nepal, we're part of funding the busiest leprosy hospital in the country. Now I get help from the hospital. Everyone at Lauga loves me, and so I love to go there. They operated on my hands, and now they are going to operate on my foot. We are giving multiple services, uh, like uh, counseling, like physiotherapy, uh, self-care education. What we get to see is life-changing surgeries that restore people's ability to have mobility and to be able to work. That is the hope we can bring them with our cure. Care is making sure that the person is able not only to uh, act on their abilities rather than their disabilities, but also to participate in their social activities. And one of our jobs is actually to help communities understand uh, and be inclusive of people with the disability. We provide education, we provide uh, economic assistance, we provide training, technical training, so people can learn a trade. We encourage them to develop self-care groups. Self-care is the fundamentally important aspect of, of post-leprosy care. And then we also get to see 
the ability to care for people spiritually and emotionally. Their lives are now transformed. They become Christians. Their communities become Christians, all because of care that they have received. They have regained their self-esteem and their self-confidence. That brings them back into wholeness, back into the community, back into stability with their families, back to being touched again. The end of leprosy will come when we actually do have vaccine to actually stop the disease from being spread from one person to another. We have had a vision for a vaccine for leprosy and we have pursued that vision relentlessly for over a decade and we're on the edge of seeing that vision become a reality. After many years of research, we are right on the cusp of really making a difference within these leprosy affected populations. Without the input of the American leprosy missions, there would be very little in the way of vaccine discovery going on for leprosy. Ending leprosy is beyond just the medical aspects of the disease. It's about seeing the entire community changed. We don't change communities. We invest in people affected by leprosy who go back into their own communities, and then they become the instruments of change. We helped the people to form groups um, and started saving money together. And this money was used for the next season's farming. It's about connecting them to a perpetual resource that they themselves control, and then they're able to manage the outcomes. What we're seeing is that these people are making changes in their communities, and that the communities are seeing them as change agents, positive change agents, so they're no longer a curse, they're a blessing. And when people affected by leprosy transform their community economically, uh, health, uh, sanitation, water, then the entire health of the village improves. The amount of the disease goes down and ultimately you see the disease disappear. I hope that my surgery will be successful and that I will be able to walk properly and even be able to work so I can be independent. I am happy and this has made me confident. But without the hospital's help, I would not have any hope for the future. There's nothing more rewarding than being a part of helping someone write their own story of hope. But there's nothing more convicting than knowing that every day there are thousands of stories that will remain unwritten. Pretty powerful, isn't it? It's a good video, a good picture of great ministry. As Bobby said, we, our heart has been always to expand the perspective that we have in the local church. Often churches can get incubated in thinking of what's right in front of us, like our struggle, and what's in front of us as far as our city. And I remember as a young kid getting in a car and having family trips and traveling, especially outside of the state of California, it was like new frontier. It expanded perspective. And then going to another country. Spiritually speaking, God is working throughout the world, in parts of the world, into, into areas that we don't even realize are going on. How many of you this morning did not really think about leprosy as being a real disease still today? Yeah, anybody? I was that way. Two years ago, Trish and I got invited to uh, speak 
at an American Leprosy's Missions uh, fundraising event, and uh, it was a very powerful experience, very enlightening. Um, we got to watch some of these videos, and we're just moved at this kind of a ministry. The, the ministry itself has been there for about a, a little over 100 years, and we just loved uh, and said to ourselves, I remember, it'd be great to expose our church uh, to this kind of ministry. And so this morning, we get to have a Red X story, as Bobby said, expand our perspective globally. Will you guys give a great Green Bay Community Church welcome to Bill Simmons? Good morning. Now, Bill's the, the CEO and the president. He's got two titles. I'm going to add another one to mine, CEO, maybe. <laughs> you guys aren't laughing at that, but that's all right. We should probably get this out of the way. We're a very loving church, Bill, um, and we will forgive you. Bill did the chapel for the Denver game when the Packers played. So, yes, we forgive <laughs> Bill. <laughs> yeah. the See, they feel it. They just the feel gas. it. You could yeah, tell. Yeah. So yeah. Bill did that, but there's a lot of Packer fans in their offices in the Carolinas, and so kind of share with us what happened when you went back to work. Yeah, I actually have three staff who are from Wisconsin and South Carolina, and so I got back, and the Packers logo was everywhere, and below it it said Bill Simmons, season ender. Uh, so, season but I, I think ender. that maybe that won't, won't turn out to that's be right, That's right, that's right, that's right. Well, it's so good to have you here, Bill, and I know uh, I was jealous to get you in front of our church not just to, to hear about leprosy, I know we'll do that, but just what God's doing in you. And I think it'd be important for these guys to hear a little bit of the context of who you are and your story. How did you, you land uh, where God's placed you today? Sure. Well, I'm a Tennessee boy, and I had parents who, in their 30s, felt called away from the business and education world to the mission field. And for me, that meant the heart of darkness. Uh, we went to the Congo, uh, and that's where I grew up. In fact, the first town we flew to uh, when we got there is the town that uh, a Green Bay Packers from. Andy Malumba is from Kananga in the Congo, and so that's where, that's where I spent my uh, middle school years of my life, and I was a pretty prideful uh, person, and God found a way to impact me in high school uh, in the Congo, and start to erode that, and I really committed my life to Christ when I was in a sophomore in high school in the Congo. And I came back after graduating high school there and uh, came back to, to Tennessee, the University of Tennessee, and graduated, got married, and began a 20-year career in the retail uh, business world in Christian bookstore retailing. And that was really uh, the part of my life that God used to uh, give me experience that he was going to use in a different way much later in my life. Yeah. So unpack that a little bit. You're, you've, I mean, you've gone to college, successful, you've traveled the world, so now you're doing retail business, and I would imagine doing really well, but then I think you shared last service, God throws the trump card into your life, and everything kind of unravels, not in a bad way, but in an interesting way for you. Right. I, you know, I, you might think that I'm involved in this because... My parents were missionaries, and I grew up in Africa, and, and so... Don't sure, all missionary kids not? become missionaries, right? That's right. Well, for me, I, w I wanted to avoid that uh, hmm. all of my life. I thought, I don't want to do that just because uh, it's what you do. And actually, God used something I didn't expect. I, you know, I, we, my wife and I got married when we were young, and 
had three boys who are now 24, 22, and 18, and, and which meant that at my current age, my 18-year-old leaving the house, and we would have such a great time as empty nesters and being You young. had it all planned, didn't it you? It was perfect. It was great. It was a delusion. <laughs> um, so uh, my wife starts to say things like, I really think maybe we, we should adopt or consider adoption. And, and I'm thinking, no, I'm not thinking that at all. And so I, I did what uh, many men in this situation I've discovered do, and, and that is they avoid praying about it. Uh, that's a great way to not know what God wants you to do. And so God really, he started to speak to me about this, and I avoided it. I gave it the stiff arm for a long time. And I remember being in a service and having someone talk about adoption, and they used words that God just used to kind of break my heart. And it was that I couldn't uh, adopt every orphan in the world, but that I did have the ability to give a child a name. And that one phrase God used to break wow. my heart toward, toward the orphan. And I realized at that moment that my life wasn't about finishing on full. It was about finishing on empty. And uh, as a result of that, we did uh, go down the journey of adoption. And we adopted our daughter, Anna, seven years ago. And here she is. And uh, she has radically changed my life. I never thought I'd be uh, playing with pink uh, dolls in my 40s, but, uh, but I Welcome am a minute world. of it. Yeah, right. Yeah. Four times. Yeah. So, so God used that uh, in my life, and, and it didn't mean that he necessarily wanted us to adopt more, but he changed my perspective that my life was to be given toward something else, and that was the event that when my retail career uh, came to a nice pause that Cindy and I started praying about what's the, if God gives us another 20 years, what do we want right. to look back on that time frame and know is true? And uh, the search for the CEO of American Leprosy Missions was underway, and that's uh, kind of the beginning of that story. So how, we, we could probably stop right here and like just settle in a, a few things that have been said, like, isn't it true we all plan and figure out and say, God, can you jump onto this plan and can you just honor the way I've figured out my life? And, and then he throws the monkey wrench in. And I love what you said. I think often we think we're supposed to end full. But really, we're to spend our life right. um, for his cause. That's pretty right. powerful. Yeah, Irwin McManus said, God, create, God did not create us so that we could count the days of our lives. But he created us so that our lives would count. And I think that's, that's at the essence. Is we're not here to count it. We're to spend it yeah. uh, and make our lives count and it's a difficult thing sometimes to set aside our own desires to do. So should we adopt a boy, Trish? <laughs> it's not too Oh, late. we did. We married one in. Okay. We're covered. We're covered. We gave him a name, too. <laughs> totally just teasing. Sorry. I had to throw that in there. He's probably watching, too. Uh-oh. Uh, why ALM? I mean... There are a lot of different organizations, Bill, out there, and I, I just love to hear what moved you about ALM because I would say there are certain ministries out there that are, are can I use the word safer? It feels, it feels safer, right? It's, you're, you're not so frontline, and I think of ministry to people with uh, the disease of leprosy or, you know, to the front lines of the terrorist lines in the Middle East are, are like, gosh, that feels so unsafe. Talk to us a little bit about why ALM. 
Well, when, when I became aware of, of leprosy as a disease and the ministry that this organization has been doing since 1906, I, I began to understand that at the heart of the ministry of Christ, when, when he walked this earth in, in physical form, uh, his physical ministry was certainly healing, uh, but everyone Jesus healed ultimately died, even Lazarus died. And I, and I think about what's the most enduring part of his physical ministry. And I think that in the dirt that Jesus walked were, were people who had been robbed of their dignity, whether that was a tax collector or it was a harlot. Jesus was constantly helping people recognize their own value. And so when I understood that leprosy robs people of dignity and hope and humanity and who they are as image bearers of the Creator, and I had the opportunity to play a role in restoring that. It was a very short prayer to understand, is this ministry right in the dirt at the heels of Jesus? And so I, once, once I understood that and, and had a heart for the vision as well, uh, it was a very short uh, process then to say, this is, I can't go wrong. God's here. He's working. I'm going to go join him and, do, and be a part of this. So did you just dive in or did you get to take a trip? I mean... I didn't ask you this last service, but just curious, like usually there's kind of a, as we've been saying, red X moments, there's this spot that confirmed it, or was it just simply a prayer before you even had met anybody with leprosy? Before I had met, but certainly I, uh, I threw myself, I called people all over the world. Uh, I spent a lot of time trying to understand the disease and the people impacted by it. And through that process, God broke my heart like he did for adoption, he, he broke my heart for this group mm. of people that are marginalized, and, and I saw that I had an opportunity to play a role in, restore, in restoration, so, yeah. And isn't that true what God does? I think there's, there's so much, we put so much stock in like, God's gotta pave this huge path and all these things have to happen, but it can be simply a phrase at a church service, giving a child a name, right, mm. that moves you, or just as simple, I'm supposed to do that. I don't have all the big picture, but I'm just supposed to do that. Well, tell us a little bit about leprosy, because I think there's a lot of misunderstandings. I know from my standpoint, I, I had thought it was like a flesh-eating disease, and uh, even the, how we're to address it, uh, and I think our Bibles in some ways did us a disservice. Not necessarily that the Bible is a disservice, but the way we used it. Sure, yeah, we use it. There's a Greek word, lepra, which means scale, and that gave rise to the word leper. Uh, and so in the Bible, any skin condition was, was considered lepra, which was scaly. So if and you had like bad acne, it could be, be It could be all sorts of things, yeah. So, uh, le but leprosy certainly existed in the Bible. And uh, leprosy is, uh, is an interesting disease. If you took all the population of Green Bay in its entirety, that's the number of people who get leprosy every year and are diagnosed. Probably twice that number are not diagnosed. And uh, if you had 10 states like Wisconsin, you'd capture the number of people around the world that have a disability because of leprosy. So it's a big, it's a big issue. But it's a sinister disease because it starts with a skin patch and it doesn't bother you. It's anesthetic, so you don't feel it. It doesn't itch. You don't need to go to the doctor. You don't feel like. And it takes 7 to 20 years before you develop any symptoms. Uh, after that, you've started to develop nerve damage. And that nerve damage creates the really part of the vicious aspect of the disease in that your hands start to lose their function, your feet do, a lot like people with diabetes sometimes experience. But those things in and of themselves might be something that people could overcome. 
But because of the stigma of leprosy, people lose their homes, they lose their families, their loved ones, and they're forced out of their communities in South Asia and Sub-Saharan Africa uh, predominantly. And I saw this firsthand of what, what people are willing to do to be reunited uh, with their families. And I don't know this morning what you would be willing to do if every person that you held dear was, was kind of ripped away from you against your will because you had a bacterial infection. And I met Tamini Majini, and we have a picture of her as she came out of her home uh, in Nepal. And this is a woman who, when she got leprosy, she started to develop ulcers on her feet because she'd lost sensation in her feet, and ulcers are, are foul if they're not treated. And so she was pushed out of her community, her home, her kids, lived down by a river, foraging for food, having to figure out how to live. But that wasn't what was horrible for her. What was horrible was that... All of the connection that made her human, her family, her friends, stripped away, just stripped away. And so she had no feeling in her foot that had the ulcer in it. And so one day there were some men who were working in the woods and she said, can I borrow some of your tools? And then they said, sure, we're going to lunch. And so when they were gone to lunch, she took one of their machetes and she amputated her own foot. But that, that's what she was willing to do. Yeah. She was willing to to get rid of the part that was preventing her to have access to her family and her community. And it's as desperate as that sounds, that's the situation that people affected by leprosy are in in some way around the world uh, every day. Um, there's, a, there's something that happened to me recently that really brought that home. Uh, I'm a cyclist. Uh, any cyclist in the house? Cyclist, I have to find a cyclist. Come on, somebody's a cyclist. Okay, one in the We've back. We've got Thank two you very much. or three. We don't have bikes in Green Bay. I don't know if you knew yeah, that. Yeah, well, Just horses, just well, horses. Well, this, this bike has a story. So I, uh, I was on a lunchtime ride, and I was coming back uh, and going, going through an intersection, and uh, I had the green light, and a lady decided, in a blue expedition, decided to turn in front of me. Uh, and I thought I was going to just nail that expedition, but I missed the back of it. But the guy behind her had never looked. He decided to go because she was going. So he hit me head on, and that bike exploded, which was probably a good thing. Uh, and I went through the air. I went three lanes of traffic through the air and landed sitting upright by some miracle because I thought as I was in the air, you have those slow motion moments. This was a slow motion moment. First I thought, this is going to be bad. And then the next thing I thought, I'm alive. How is that even possible? And so I'm sitting there facing all this traffic in, in noontime hour, and I realized I'm alive. But the guy who hit me, he picked this bike up out from underneath his car, and he drove away. Mm. He drove away. I, God taught me two things. Uh, I'm obviously survived and, and very mobile. Uh, he taught me two things through that that I didn't expect in having a bike accident. One was, in that moment, I felt less than human, uh, as though I had no value. I wasn't worth someone stopping for to see if I was okay. Now that, and people affected by leprosy have to deal with that every single day. What it's like to be robbed of, of being human and, dig and having dignity. And then where I hit the pavement on my side, I have a patch uh, about six inches around that I have no feeling. It's completely dead. And so I have, at least can understand a little bit of what it's like for someone affected by leprosy to lose their sensation in their hands and feet and the ability to feel because of the loss of, of nerve sensation. And so it's, it's really minor. But it was a moment in my life where God used something 
yeah. where I could say, this is what it's like to be robbed of your dignity. And that was that, was that kind of a moment. And uh, this is still hanging up in my house, uh, just to remind you. As a reminder. Wow. Yep. So culturally, I don't know if you guys are picking this up, but it's, it's uh, we're dealing in most of us can't get leprosy, right? I think you said that. Is it like 1% of the world's population? Am I right? Right. Most that? of us are naturally immune to immune it. Immune to That's it. That's right. Yep. So it's a very small population, but it's, uh, but the numbers are still big because 1% of the world's big. Uh, it only shows up in certain parts of the world. Am I correct in that too? Well, 134 countries around the world have leprosy, have but, it's, it. but 70% of it is in India and a few surrounding countries and Brazil. That would get you 70% of the cases wow. in the world. So the cultural reality, though, is I don't know if we can capture that because for us in Western thinking, it's, oh, just go get fixed, right? Go to the hospital. Go go get whatever you need to to, to recover. And correct me if I'm wrong, the the it's not the vaccine. What am I saying is the, uh, what'd you give them? What'd you give them? The antibiotics. Vac- antibiotics right. to cover that. And how quickly does that take effect? So just like if anyone here has strep throat, when you take those antibiotics, in the first 24 hours, 99% of the bacteria are dead. It's the same for leprosy. Leprosy right. is a bacterial infection. So if I give you the medicine, Troy, uh, and you come to me in time, then I can take care of, uh, take care of that. So it's so fascinating to hear that someone in their village, if they all of a sudden, someone says, you have leprosy, they don't want to admit it. No one wants to, they won't. And so I've heard stories you guys share right. of people uh, at the center saying, nope, I don't want it. There's a, a little girl who's 10 years old. Her name was Sunny. And they had come across the Indian border into Nepal and her grandmother had brought her. And so the doctors diagnosed her and did all the testing, and they're in the room, and they're telling this grandmother that her granddaughter has leprosy. And she said, I'll never forget it, she said, no, no, she does not. She does not have leprosy. And she grabbed her granddaughter, and they walked right back back down this path out of the hospital, back on a bus, all the way to India, because she knew what a diagnosis of leprosy would mean Culture. for her granddaughter. Yeah. Her, she wouldn't be eligible for marriage. She uh, would not be permitted to have social interaction. And so the denial that goes along with that, all because there's yeah. this fear. It's not a rational fear, uh, but it's a cultural fear, and it creates a very real stigma. And so I'm, I'm haunted by that in some ways. I'm motivated yeah. by the Sonys in the world to say, can we go into communities and erode the stigma that creates the situation where a girl like Sonny faces potentially a life of disability all because there's a fear of leprosy. Bill, talk about a little bit your strategy. We didn't do this again last service, but talk about a little bit about, I know you guys have a strategy about how you go in. Is, uh, and I can't remember how we did it at the conference. Um, it's the cure, it's the, the care, cure. End, right. What was the last and one? And the end. And the end. And the end. Uh, and that's, at uh, the end is we're, we're on that edge. Um, we, as I mentioned in the video, we're, we've been working on a vaccine, and I think one of the things that actually drew me to the organization was this idea that a Christian organization that is an extension of the church could be a part of ending a disease. Uh, yeah. There's a lot of medical uh, work going on around the world, but to see that the church could finish something, I said, we say Jesus cured leprosy in his lifetime but we're called to end it in ours. And this is our opportunity to 
finish the work mm -hmm. that Jesus started. And so there's a vaccine that will begin testing uh, by the end of 2016 uh, human trials with the vaccine that we've invested in as the only organization in the world investing in leprosy vaccine research is American Leprosy Missions. And we're on the edge of seeing that, uh, as we mentioned. And so it's really exciting that yeah. maybe in the next couple of years, we wouldn't would that know. be awesome? Yeah. I mean, to cure leprosy, to be done, yeah. it'd be amazing. So I know we're going to show a video of, of some of that, but do you have any uh, probably more to add in that what life change are you seeing unfolding around you in your ministry? Well, we, we invest in communities, which means we invest in the church because the church is the lasting intervention in any community. And uh, we invest in Christian organizations who are already there in the extension of the church. I, uh, being, you would think growing up in the Congo might not be naive to this, but I admit to being naive when I, when I came to this organization uh, but God has taught me so many times, I go somewhere in the world, and God just reminds me, you know, I showed up here a long time before you did. Mm -hmm. And I called people to work. I called people from all sorts of places to this work. And so through that lesson, I've, I've begun to understand that our role as an organization is to facilitate the ability of people who God has already called to people affected by leprosy in communities around the world to have the training, to have the resource, to have the interventions that really enable them to be the restorers, that human dignity restoring vehicle that the church is. And it's not us. It's not yeah. American Leprosy Missions that's doing it. We're just a conduit for people in the church who, who are a part of that kingdom work and are called to that kingdom work into that corner of the field and say leprosy is, is something God's breaking my heart toward and I want to follow Jesus right there and our opportunities facilitate that. And so we, we see our work as an integral mission. That's our approach, which is to, is to say that, that we feel like all of our social work should have a gospel impact. Right. And that when the gospel has impact, it should have a social consequence. And so we see those things as, as not a separate activity. Right. It's, it's all a part of how we work around the world. But we do that through partners who are already there that God's already called and it's a beautiful thing to witness and you have a picture of tell that story about the picture in the with the yeah so in the Congo one of the things that we do is because of the stigma around leprosy we will hold a, uh, a camp where people can have skin conditions examined and then we'll bring someone who'd had leprosy and share their story and try to erode the stigma in the in the community and in Africa it's not uncommon for people to think that You've been uh, bewitched by something, and that's yeah. why you have leprosy. And then we'll show the Jesus film. And uh, if you ever have the opportunity to see Jesus film shown to an audience who doesn't know the story of Christ, who is, is maybe mostly illiterate, when that story is shown and you see it shown, it's amazing. When people hear, see the miracles of Christ for the first time, you hear the oohs and the ahs and the amazement. It, it really brings the gospel to life. And here you see the number of hands uh, people have raised to make a profession for Christ, mm -hmm. I think 800 or so that night that professed uh, Christ. And so we, we, we do that in concert with the church, yeah. and the, the gentleman there with his hands up is the pastor of the local church, and so their job then is to come behind and disciple yeah. all of those believers. So. so what would you say to this group here this morning, community church, uh, from a, just maybe a just what would God put on your heart to share with them? Maybe about the challenge of, of starting somewhere. Because 
obviously all these people won't go to Nepal and, right. and work in and with uh, those people with the disease of leprosy, but what would, what would be maybe a challenge you would give? I would say that you know, I, working in a field what I, which I consider narrow, leprosy is a very specific thing. God doesn't call all of us to work in the entire field, but he calls some of us into different areas, and I would say that there's probably some people here this morning that maybe this is something that God puts on their heart, or maybe he just puts on uh, marginalized people in this community but being restorers is something we're all called to do. That's what Jesus did, and that's what we're all called to do. So I would say that there's an opportunity. Um, at $30 a month, Troy, is, a, is the opportunity to bring a cure to one person somewhere mm. in the world and all of the treatment associated with it. Uh, and so that I think there's an opportunity for somebody to be a part mm. of that, to bringing a cure to people affected by leprosy around the world. Uh, and I think we even have that on the... The, the amazing app that your team yeah. has here. But uh, I think it's an opportunity to say, uh, is God calling me? What's the corner of the kingdom work that God is calling me to? And do I have an opportunity, whether it's with uh, American Leprosy Missions or a group here, but I feel very strongly that we're all called to restore people who are marginalized. Jesus spent most of his time with marginalized people. Yeah. And so all of us are called to follow him in that example. And when you see that restoration happen in someone's yeah. life, yeah. when you see God invade their life and you see the contrast that happens, that's when you see that God is real and active. And uh, we have that kind of story right here on a video. When I was 10 years old, I developed white patches on my whole body. All I knew is that I had a skin problem. When I was 16, I started getting ulcers, and then I knew that I had leprosy. The village people started discriminating against me because of my ulcers. My friends withdrew from me and did not want to be associated with me. I even had to stop going to school. People stopped coming to our house. They stopped speaking to me and my parents. They did not involve any of us socially and they avoided us. I did not have any hope of finding a husband or having children. It was very upsetting for my parents as well. Community people stopped respecting them. After that, my parents stopped supporting me, and that was the worst point for me. I was very upset and brokenhearted. I was living in deep hopelessness. I thought that I should just kill myself because there was no point in living. My uncle heard about Lauger Hospital and suggested that I go there so I can get proper treatment. When I came to Lauger and was admitted, all of the doctors, nurses, and staff treated me with love. I felt respected. I was surprised by the difference here. 
my own community would not even touch me. Here the people were kind and loved me and were not afraid to touch me. When I was Hindu, I was worshipping lots of gods and goddesses, but I was not getting what I was trying to find. When I arrived here, I started having devotion with the staff every morning, and later, when they operated on my hands, I noticed that the staff prayed before the surgeries. I had never seen anything like this in my life, and it made a great impression on me. I accepted Jesus Christ and my life changed so much. I felt peace and all different types of happiness inside. I was feeling better, but I kept thinking that I need a partner, someone I can share my feelings with. There was a man working at the hospital who was very friendly and who had a wonderful personality. He looked after me and was always checking on me, and I could tell that he cared for me. I began to feel that he was the right man for me. The doctors instigated for us to get married, and that is how I found the love of my life. American leprosy missions went to my community and passed out pamphlets, aired radio messages and television commercials about leprosy. I am very happy now because my family received counseling which changed their minds. I was reunited with them and now I have a very good relationship with my family. I am now counseling leprosy-affected people and teaching them self-care. I also train women how to make bead jewelry and increase their skills so they can earn a living and be independent. If the hospital had not helped me, I would not be alive right now. They have given me first my life and then my love, who is my husband, and now I even have children. Not only am I cured from leprosy, but I am also cured from my inner pain. I regain self-esteem and dignity in my community. Not only am I independent, but I am also able to help others in need. I have a very good life, and I have the love of Jesus Christ. American Leprosy Missions has changed my life. Oh yeah, isn't that amazing? I, I wanted to share a couple thoughts about that. First, thanks, Bill, for bringing this to us, and thanks for, for being obedient to, to God's following. So thank you. Let's thank Bill. Uh, one of the, the last conference we went to, um, and Allie was with me, there was handed to us a vial, and I have a picture of it with my, in my hand. And it's the, the vaccine that they've been working on. 
And they handed us all vials. They all didn't have the vaccine. They were empty. And it was such a powerful picture to me because I recognized at that moment, I don't carry the cure for leprosy. But I carry a cure, as you heard, that's so much deeper and carries so much more power. And that is Christ. That's the gospel. The gospel is if we have Christ in our lives, we're to bring that to the world. The true gospel in a life cannot be hidden. It's, it's too powerful. It's too profound in a life. And so Paul will say this in Corinthians. He'll say this to the church in Corinth. He'll say, so now... So we are now representatives of the anointed one, the liberating king. God has given us charge to carry through our lives, urging all people on behalf of the anointed to become reconciled to the creator God. You realize and recognize if you know Jesus, if you've received the cure, do you realize that you had a spiritual leprosy in your life apart from God? That there was spiritual nerve damage to your life that you weren't aware of the sin and aware of the road that you were taking. And it took Christ in your life to give you perspective, to give you clarity, to give you a cure. Now we're the carriers of that. I love when Bill said that we, we are going to, to care for and help cure someone, but they will go into their neighborhood. You heard this woman. She's affecting family and friends and communities. Friends, that's the church. I don't know where you're at this morning, but I want to ask you a question. Who are you bringing the cure to? If, if Jesus Christ is in 2016, your priority, your goal, we set goals last week in saying, all right, as a church, how do we climb kind of to new heights, spiritually speaking, and you've got to figure out your disciplines and and what is it that you're going to tackle in your spiritual journey this year? For some of you, it's going to be just bringing the cure to a marginalized group in Green Bay. It may be walking straight to the kiosk to see Bill and saying, I want in. I don't know what will unfold, but we probably all have to answer this question. Who are we bringing the cure to? Because the gospel was not meant to be sitting on church on Sundays hearing the songs, doing the messages, then walking out Monday through Saturday and not handing it out. You have a cure. And there are a lot of hurting people just in our city. There are a lot of hurting people in our world that are longing for something. Could you hear her talk about it? She said, I, I was, was Hindu and I worshipped a lot of other gods, but it wasn't giving me what I was longing for. Friends, you have that. This morning is we have a chance. We respond here at Community Church to every message with a response of communion. And we, we think that communion, uh, biblically, it just states that we're to do this often. We don't need anyone to do that for us. Jesus says just as often as you take this bread and this cup, you remember me. But friends, remembering Christ isn't just remembering him for yourself. It's also remembering him for others. How are you bringing that to other people? Maybe as you take the bread and cup, if you know Christ this morning, you might begin to ask God. Remember, remember Bill saying, I didn't want to offer that one to prayer. C can I just warn you? Asking God that question is going to throw your life into a different direction. 
Asking God, who is it that I need to bring this cure to, is going to confuse your plans. I guarantee it. But it will also bring a fulfillment that you will never achieve in this lifetime without him. Let me pray for us as we go to response this morning into communion together. Father, we're, we're grateful that there are those like Bill and his wife and family that have committed to bringing dignity and hope and ultimately a cure of Jesus Christ to people who are marginalized. Father, we pray that you would inspire our church and churches all over Wisconsin and our world, Father, to be the light, to give this cure, this hope of Jesus to others. God, would you bring to our hearts and our minds someone this morning. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.